Likute Sichais, Chelik Yudches, Volume 18, the third Sicha Paparsus Pincha. This Sicha is an amazing explanation on the Haftorah of this Parsha and also connects it to our lives, not just as we stand now in the quote three weeks in this time of mourning the destruction of the Beis Amigdash, rather how it pertains to our lives throughout the entire year, to our, into our entire being. I would strongly suggest that you quickly review the first few verses of the Parsha and also take a few moments to look over at least the beginning of the Haftor of the week. Now as an introduction, I just want to make the following point. Typically, the Haftor of the week is connected to the Parsha, as we learned in last week's Sicha and many other Sichas. However, on special occasions, for example, Rosh Chodesh, Hanukkah, or a festival, then the Haftorah is connected to the special event. Now, in these weeks, that is, in the three weeks, the three weeks in preceding Tisha B'Av, in which we mourn the destruction of the Temple, we read a set of three Haftorahs, which are called Shalish de Peronius, the three Haftorahs which speak about calamity. Okay, the various uh, prophecies that speak about the calamity and the impending destruction of the Temple. Following Tisha B'Av, beginning with the Shabbos after, which is known as Shabbos Nachamu, we read for seven consecutive weeks, all the way to the end of the year, all the way to the last Shabbos preceding Rosh Hashanah, we read Shiva Denechemta, which is the seven uh, Haftorahs, which speak about the comfort and the consolation of the children of Israel by Hashem Himself. So let's get into the Sicha. As discussed many times, the Haftorahs of the three weeks right, the three uh, Peronas, which is the calamities, and the three, uh, and the seven comfort, comforting Haftoras, although they are not inherently connected to the Parsha, to the respective Parshas when they're read. However, says the Rebbe, because everything in the Torah is exact and nothing is happenstance, it would make sense that there has to be a strong correlation, so to speak, a, a, a intrinsic connection between the Haftorah and the Parsha of the week. Now indeed, when we take a quick glance at the Haftorah of this week and Parshas Pinchas, we do find what seems to be an open connection between Yirmiyahu and Pinchas. Why? Because the Medrash tells us that both of them, Pinchas and Yirmiyahu, have something very much in common because both of them were descendants of non-Jews from the mother's side. And because of that, the Jews related to them with great contempt, and Hashem had to, so to speak, boost them and prop them up, so to speak, until the Jews took them seriously. And that's why we find in our parsha where Hashem makes it a point to attribute his pedigree to what? By saying again, repeating, Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron Cohen, to emphasize, to enforce that Pinchas's pedigree comes from Aaron, not from Yisro from his mother's side, which the Jews argued was some, somewhat of a, a bad pedigree. And likewise, Yirmiyahu, when you look in the beginning of the Haftorah, it says, Hashem makes it a point to point out that he was the son of Chilkiyahu who, come from, who descends from Kohanim, in order to point out that he has a fantastic pedigree. So this is an obvious connection between the two. However, 
Just this correlation between them, you know, is just one detail. It would seem that there has to be something deeper than this, something more substantive than this. Perhaps something more in the line of what their general approach was, their mode of service of Hashem, or their connection to the Jewish people, their effect on the Jewish people. We need to search there and find this special connection. And the question is, what is it? Now, we also another thing that needs to be addressed, and you'll see how the Rebbe connects it all. You see, in the beginning of the Haftorah, it doesn't just begins with be, doesn't just begin with the words of Paranus, with the words of the prophecy of calamity, which really is why we're reading this because it's the first week of the three weeks. Rather, it begins begins with somewhat of a history. It begins gives us a narrative of how Yirmiyahu began his, quote, career as a prophet. And it says as follows. It was the words of Hashem to me saying, quote, before, even before, I crafted you in the womb, I knew you, meaning I appointed you. And then later he continues and he says, I appointed you a prophet for all nations. And for this, Yirmiyahu responds and he says, Hashem, I'm just still a boy, I'm still a young lad. I don't know how to speak. Why are you putting this on me? And this Hashem responds and he says, don't say you're a young lad. Don't say you're a young boy. See that you should know that uh, I appointed you and quote on all the nations in order to uproot, to pull down, to build, to, to, to plan, to build. In other words, you are the prophet. You're going to be in control. And only after that, after giving this this narrative, describing how he began his career, so to speak, then the Haftorah goes into the actual um, prophecies of doom, the prophecies of calamity. So we need to understand why is this part of the Torah? In other words, how does this connect to us? Why is it that we're reading this? What, what, what is the connection to us? Now, in order to, bet, to, in, in, to, to, to continue this further, let's now look at a general connection, a general correlation between Pinchas and Yermio. In other words, let's get a perspective of what connects the two, what brings them to both together. You see, both of them lived in a time when the Jewish people were in a very, very lowly circumstance. The Jewish people were in a very low state. Pinchas, like you now we read in, the, in, the, in, the, in last week's Parsha, and this is what this Parsha continues with, picks up where last week's Parsha ended. Pinchas is at a time when the Jews were worshipping idol of Pa'or, one of the worst idols, the lowliest idols, and were unfortunately succumbed to the temptation of the daughters of Moab. Yermio, likewise, also was in a time when there was, uh, the Avedizara was very, very prevalent, and there were all these false prophets, the prophets of the Baal, and other terrible, terrible, um, despicable behaviors as described in the book of Yermio. And each one did his part and, and advanced the idea of tshuva by, by giving the Jews words of reproof, or in the case of Yermio, by talking to them, by giving them words of reproof, or in the case of Pinchas, by his actions, that what he did actually got the, the, the Jews to realize the wrongdoing, as it says that the Jews, quote, saw and realized that he didn't kill Zimri for no reason and that they took heed and they did tshuva. So this already explains a special connection between the two. So now we took it a step further. It's not only the, what their, their, their pedigree, as we said in the beginning, but now also in the circumstances, so to speak, in the time, in the era, in the environment that they, that they, that they uh, acted in. However, this idea 
of giving reproof to the Jewish people or of causing Jewish people to do tshuva doesn't seem to be so unique. In other words, we just explained why there's some unique quality that connects the two. But this is not unique for the two of them. There were so many prophets that did their part in getting the Jewish people to do tshuva. So the question is, if so, what more is there that connects these two, that brings these two together in a special, unique way, more than just having lived in a time when the Jews were straying from Torah terribly, and that they managed to uh, arouse the Jewish will, the Jewish desire to do teshuva. So the, the Gemara, t- so now to, in order to understand this better, let's get a better understanding, a better appreciation of Yirmiyahu. What kind of prophet was he? What was his effect? What is unique about Yirmiyahu? So the Gemara tells us an interesting parallel it makes between the two prophets, Yeshayahu and Yirmiyahu. In fact, the Talmud has a discussion where it really asks, why is it that the book of Yeshayahu comes after the book of Yirmiyahu when really Yeshayahu preceded Yirmiyahu? And the Gemara responds, concludes, and it says, because Yirmiyahu is, quote, Kulei Churbana, is all about destruction. Whereas Yeshayahu, meaning the entirety of the book, is it's all about consolation. Okay? That's what the Talmud says. And this also, in fact, says the Rebbe, is hinted in their names. The name Yeshayahu comes from the word Yeshua, which means, Yeshua means salvation. Whereas the name Yermiyahu comes from the word Mar, which means bitter. Or in Aramaic, Yermiyahu, which I'm sorry, Yermiyahu, which means destruction. So you see there's a correlation between their name and their mode, their approach, and what their book is all about. Now, the Rebbe also brings from the previous Rebbe that says that the difference between Yeshayahu and Yermiyahu, the difference between them is that in Yeshayahu, where he lived in a time of revelation, because mostly his prophecies were in the time that the Beis HaMikdash was still standing. The Beis HaMikdash was still there and there was still revelation, and therefore it came in a positive way. Whereas Yermiyahu, he lived in a time of Tchiyah Behester, a time when things were like being pushed away, things were being destructed, and there was a lot of concealment. Now it's interesting, the caveat is that although, of course, in Yeshayahu, you also have many mentions and talk about the destruction of the Temple, it's not just, so to speak, positive, yet the Talmud refers to it as, quote, totally a book of consolation. Why? Because the, the general mode and his approach to the Jewish people was in a way of positive, in a way of tikkun, of correcting their ways. In other words, he was trying to entice them. He was trying to induce them in a positive manner to do tshuva. How so? By talking to them so much about the redemption and that was supposed to entice them to do tshuva. Whereas Yermiyohu was already in a darker time. Yermiyohu lived in a time or he was giving his prophecy in a time when things were really pretty bad and there was a lot of concealment. So he spoke more openly about the destruction. In other words, it came more in a harsh manner, in a manner of describing vividly the destruction of Yerushalayim and the Beis HaMikdash. And this was meant to bring them to Shuba almost by saying, if you don't do Shuba, this is what, what it's going to lead to. And this, now we can appreciate the connection 
the parallel between Yermiyahu and Pinchas. Because Pinchas also, the way he brought about, the way he caused the Jews to do Tshuva was by his actions, which was a negative action. It was a harsh action. He took the initiative and he killed Zimri and exposed the sin for what it was. That is very similar to the way Yermio did it, by portraying, by illustrating the negative, by bringing out the, the harshness of the negative, of the bad, that was able to trigger a tshuva amongst the Jewish people. So in order to, to understand this, take a little, to take an appreciation of Pinchas, where we see it in the actual Parsha. So if you look at the words in the beginning of the Parsha, Hashem says, Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aaron Koyen, he turned back my wrath from the Jewish people. How? By him displaying his passion or his vengeance for my sake. And therefore, I did not wipe out the Jewish people because of their sin. Okay? And then what does he do? He says, now I give him my covenant of peace, not just to him, but to him and to all his following generations, meaning all his ensuing descendants. So now at first glance, it seems that this detail of, quote, him uh, displaying his vengeance amongst them is just telling us how it came about, but that's not really the main point here. It seems that the main point is that, hey, Pinchas did such a great thing, let me give him his reward. And it seems to be a little superfluous here. However, if you think about it, you can ask the following question. What really is so unique about Pinchas? In other words, what really did he do that's so extraordinary? He's not the only one who caused the Jews to do teshuva in, or, or to take away Hashem's wrath from the Jewish people. In fact, we find great example, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe, how many times did he plead with Hashem when it came to the sin of the golden calf, when it came to the sin of the spies? Moshe Rabbeinu stood there and prayed with Hashem. Not only that, to be even further, Moshe Rabbeinu went ahead and was ready to sacrifice everything. If you recall, he said to Hashem, if you don't forgive them, then erase me from your book. He was ready to give up everything, to lose everything. And yet, when it came time for Moshe to pass away, and Moshe Rabbeinu asks Hashem, please appoint one of my children, let this, let this honor of leading the Jewish people continue my family, Hashem didn't give it to him. He did not give it to him. Rather, but over here, by Pinchas, Hashem says, wow, this is unique. What Pinchas did is so special, I am going to give it to him and to his all ensuing generations. So, so we need to examine this. What is the contrast between Moshe and Pinchas that Moshe did not merit to have this reward continue in his family, whereas Pinchas did? So if we look at the difference between the Moshe and Pinchas and how they accomplished what they accomplished, what, how they accomplished that Hashem should remove his wrath from the Jewish people, you see that Moshe did it through prayer. He prayed to Hashem that Hashem should remove his anger. Whereas Pinchas, he did it through his avoda, through his action, quote, by him standing up for my honor amongst them. That means he did it amongst the Jews. He got the Jews to change. He got the Jews to do tshuva. He got the Jewish people to have some transformation. That's, not, that's one difference. Another difference is both of them exhibited self-sacrifice, mysterious nefesh. However, by Moshe, 
It was more of a spiritual mysterious nefesh, something coming more from the soul, coming from above. He was ready to forego all the great revelations and associations with the Torah and godliness just for the sake of the Jewish people. Whereas Pinchas, he went and endangered his body, he endangered his physical well-being. As we know, it says that all the people of the tribe of Shimon, they wanted to kill him. What he did was an act of courage to the nth degree because he could have been killed. What is really the difference between the two? In other words, this is the two examples we gave. But where, are we, where, where is the essence of it? The essence of it is that Moshe's mode of service, the way he um, inspired the people, the way he affected things is in a mode of melmailo lamata, from above, above down. In other words, revelation. Revealing the, the idea of it is revealing the light with such intensity that automatically, because of such an intense light, it, quote, pushes away the darkness, it pushes away the bad. Whereas Pinchas, his mode was milmata lemailo, taking from down, from below, and rising above, and rising up. In other words, taking the, 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 the lower elements, refining them, purifying them, and through that, elevating them to Hashem. And we also see that in their general of service, the general avoid of the whole life in, for example, Moshe. What was Moshe's, uh, what's his main thing? Moshe's main thing, main avodah was, as it says in the Mishnah, Moshe kibbal Torah Sinai. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai, and he passed it along. He taught it to the students, he taught it to Yeshua, he taught it to all the Jewish people. What is Torah? Torah is Torah or, it's or, it's a light, which pushes away a lot of darkness. Whereas Pinchas, what did he do? He came from down, from below. He came from within the people. Amongst them, and that's how he aroused them. He triggered the tshuva in them. And that's why you see in the result. Moshe, what did he do? He affected that Hashem should forgive the Jews. Pinchas, what he affected is that the Jews should do tshuva, and therefore there should no longer be any wrath of Hashem. What's really the difference between these two modes? You see, when you do it's fantastic. The bad gets pushed away. The, the light is so intense that the bad gets pushed away. But the fact is that unfortunately, there isn't a continuum to it. Why? Because the moment the, the light starts shining, the moment the light is not as intense as it was, then what happens, the bad, since it's not been fully refined, it's not transformed, the bad can have the ability to come back and to start to accumulate and, you know, start to rear its ugly head. However, in other words, there's, there's, there's no continuity. However, when you affect melmata lemaila, when you work with the mata, when you get the, the lower elements to become now elevated and re, to become refined, to become purified and thus become elevated, then even after the light is not directly shining on it, so to speak, still, since there's a refinement that occurred, that continues to function as it has transformed already. And now we can have an appreciation for the question we asked, why is it that Pinchas merited that he should be given this reward, but for a perpetual reward, not only just to him, but also to his children, his children's children, for all generations. Why? Because since his effect is something that actually transforms and has an effect in the physical, therefore it could continue as inherently this mode of service, although, albeit that it's a more difficult one, 
and maybe may, may not always seem to be as effective, but this one has the ultimate effect in transforming the Mata. And now we can appreciate the connection between Pichas and Yermiyo. And, and you see, because in the contrast of Yermiyo and Yishayo, what was, the, what was Yishayo? He was in a time of revelation. That's similar to the idea of Moshe, where it shines down. The Beis Hamikdash gave up out this immense light, spiritual light. However, Yermiyo was in a time of darkness, in a time of concealment. And that's when he functioned. That's when he tried to affect and, and um, give the, the Jewish people a, a, a direction and to cause them to do tshuva and to bring them to do tshuva. So in other words, he was trying to break the darkness. And the truth is, if we look at it in our lives, in the life of a regular person, this gets expressed in our daily struggle not to allow the darkness of the world to bring us down. It's a constant struggle, and we have to fight it all the time. And that is how this applies not only in the three weeks, but also to our lives throughout the entire year. And now we can understand and appreciate why, why there is a mention, why, there, why it happens to be that these two, Pinchas and Yermio, who now we have determined their mode of service was in the same type of circumstance and the same um, approach, which is they were in a time of darkness, dealing with the darkness, not to shine so much light like Moshe did, so to speak, in order to push away the darkness, but to actually take the darkness and transform it, refine it, bring it up so it can be elevated and it can stay that way. Pinchas and Yermio both came as this, and they're both descendants of non-Jews because this is the common the commonality that they have that they took the ultimate darkness the ultimate bad in this case not even coming from a Jewish source coming from a Goyish source and they were able to lift it up to the highest revelations this is the ultimate in elevating Milmata Lamaila. what is the lesson for all of us the Rebbe says there are those that they're very involved and very serious about serving Hashem However, their approach is that they deal, so to speak, totally with the soul, with spiritual things. And even if they deal with the bodily things in trying to refine the physical world, but they still do so only within their small, tiny environment. Meaning, they're afraid to go out of their environment because they don't want to go out into the dark world. And they say, listen, I just want to stay within. And that could sound like a very good idea. However, think of the danger. Because there's no continuity, because there's no total transformation, what happens, God forbid, when a person does become exposed, quote, to some darkness, to the darkness of the world? Then there's great danger, because they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know what it is. It can overwhelm them. However, when a Yid, of course, in accordance with Shulchan Aruch, and with the direction of, you know, Mashpia and so on, but when a Yid goes, knows that he has to constantly be also in the mode of, working, quote, amongst them, in the world, working with the Mata, to elevate it, to bring it up, to bring it to a higher point, then he's constantly involved with it, and he's constantly refining the darkness, that the darkness no longer poses a danger to his spirituality, to his light. In other words, you got to go out into the world. you got to be involved with the world. And this is the special connection. Why we're reading about this a, the story of Yermio and the story of Pinchas and the fact that they come from non-Jews and they were able to transform and elevate even the lowest points of the Mata. Why do we read it now in the three weeks? Because it also gives us an insight. The three weeks is not just about destruction. 
It's about the Golos. It's about Hashem dispersing us amongst the whole, all the nations of the world. Why did He do so? To punish us? To hurt us? No. So we can go out there and we have the ability now and the opportunity because it's available to us. We're there to elevate the entire world. And this is why Hashem gives us first the story and we read it in the Haftorah where Yirmiyot was scared. Yes, it is scary. But that's where we have the assurance of Hashem. Already now when Hashem talks to us about the Golos and about being dispersed throughout the whole world, we have the assurance of Hashem. Don't worry. I'm dear with you. I've already selected you for this. You have the strength. You come from the Kohanim, from the priests. You come from the higher echelons of power, of strength, of light. And therefore, you have nothing to be afraid of.